Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers at Performance Medicine on Tuesday evening at 5 at 5. It's actually 5.30 because it usually takes me that long to get through with my patients. But, um, and that's a day when we kind of take questions from patients and anybody that emails us in or asks us over the phone what they want us to talk about. So we've got some good questions today. I just looked at these, so believe me, this is off the cuff usually the best way to do it. But we've had a great day today. I hope your day was great. I love seeing new patients. I saw several new ones today, and I really like to to see new patients, especially if they're having problems with hormones or they can't figure out why they're losing or can't lose weight or they feel tired. I just love to get them in there and talk to them and kind of get to know them and then run the appropriate test and see if I can't straighten them out and so we can help them. But in any event, here's the five questions for today. Number one, how long does it take for my skin to absorb the cream and best location to apply? Well, I assume this is a female that's using hormone cream. Um, so um, when a female does hormone cream, it's usually a combination of the safe forms of estrogen, uh, progesterone, natural progesterone, testosterone and DHEA and sometimes we'll tweak it around a little bit to get the right dose but uh, the best um, it takes about um, 30 minutes to really absorb the cream so typically if you're on a typical cream that I prescribe you put it on it at night because it has progesterone in it it helps you um, sleep so I like it at night unless you're on some different forms and we'll talk about that in the office but typically where I have you put it on is uh, on your inner thigh area um, it's absorbed better over a little bit more of a fatty area some people put the cream on their wrist and or behind their knees and that's really when you do that you're gonna have to do it twice a day because it goes in too quick and gets out too quick but if you put it on over a fatty area Generally, you put it on once at night, and it lasts you for the whole night and next day. So put it on. And the thing about it, you need to alternate the site of it, too, because if you, it usually has testosterone in there. And if you put it on the same site month after month after month, you're going to grow hair there. So move it around a little bit and um, see how you do. But it usually takes between, when I first start you out on hormones, between two and four weeks before you're going to notice the full effect. So um, be patient with that. Um, you know, eventually I like to get most of my patients on pellets because that's by far the best way to do hormones, really in my opinion, male or female, because your level steady states, you don't have to worry about it. So I do like the pellets. But great question on the cream. Where do you put it and how long it takes to get in there? So, um, I hope I answered that good enough. Number two, what is a replacement for HCG? Well, as I've explained before, um, HCG, whether it be for the diet or for to maintain your testosterone levels uh, for men, um, HCG has been reclassified as a biologic by the FDA. So, it's going to be real hard to get through a compounding pharmacy. Um, we can probably still get it in the form of Pregnil, 
which is a brand name fertility drug, but it's really, really expensive. So keep your ears perked up about this. I'm hoping the HCG doesn't go away entirely. But um, for right now, um, if you're talking about HCG for maintenance of testosterone in men, there's another compounded medicine I use, and it's a com- it's a combination of anastrozole, which is an estrogen blocker, and clomid, which is an HCG-like fertility drug. So, but you're probably asking me as far as the diet goes. You know what what's going to replace the HCG diet, which we've done so many people and had so much success with over the last 15 years. And again, that diet has been around for 50 years, so it'd be ashamed if it goes away forever. But keep your ears tuned in. But anyway, there's a lot of other ways. You know, again, HCG, like a lot of things, weight loss supplements, are there to get your weight off fairly quickly and to kind of reset that part of your brain that's trying to maintain a certain weight. Um, So, again, it's just a quick way to get there. So there's a lot of other ways to get there. A lot of times I'm using (laughs) short-term, excuse me, short-term appetite suppressants or um, sometimes I even use insulin sensitizers like metformin or Ozempic or Victoza, Saxenda, um, which are shots. Um, Sometimes I'll use herbal um, fat loss uh, appetite suppressants, and there's about 10 of those that we use in the office. Um, Sometimes I use combination medicines. Believe me, if it's out there, we use it as a tool. So, and I like our once a week shots called the Vitatrim shots. And again, in the end, you've got to learn, we've got to figure out your metabolism and your hormones, and you have to learn what you can eat and what you should not eat. So, we're doing a lot of stuff with uh, weight loss now, a lot of um, cyclical keto plans, a lot of intermittent fasting. So, there's a lot of ways to lose weight. Um, and your goal would be to lose it and to keep it off. So, so you know, weight loss is a complex issue, but there's a ton of ways we do it, and we're, we're having great success with it. Uh, number three, how do you know what probiotic is best for you? That's a good question. You know, the, one of the first things I ask when a patient comes in with, with any problem, whether it be hormonal problem or a weight problem uh, or an autoimmune disease, I always ask them about how their gut functions, you know. If they have constipation or bloating, gas, GERD, diarrhea, stomach cramping. Because really, unless you straighten out the gut, it's going to be very hard to get that patient uh, their best. So, And I usually recommend every human, including kids, get on a probiotic. Whether that's a natural probiotic with eating things like kraut and... Um, kombucha, whatever. Um, usually it's easier to take a supplement or a pill. And there's a lot of ones out there that you need to look at. Most of them have bifidobacteria or lactobacillus. And sometimes those are the two main two that I make, I need to make sure that's in there. But um, And you can look at the colony count. It's usually anywhere from about 10 billion to 60 billion. Sometimes I've found that when people think, well, more is better, it tends to even upset their stomach more. Just like when some people eat too much fiber, it just bloats them so, um, and doesn't help their constipation at times. But So I try to get the right mix 
Um, and sometimes it requires a little playing around. Sometimes I'll even get stool studies to guide me with that. Um, but there's some general rules that you need to follow, like avoiding inflammatory foods like sugars and glutens, dairy, maybe eggs, soy, corn, maybe nightshade vegetables. And again, everybody's different. A lot of times I'll do food sensitivity tests because what may be good for one person's gut may not be good for your gut. Um, but one probiotic that I have absolutely loved and gotten some great results from is one I take myself. It's called um, Gluten Shield. And I like it because it has five different things in one pill. It's not expensive. And it has the, the probiotic that it has has about 10 billion CFUs in it. So that's for me, that's about right. But it also has a prebiotic, which you need. That's food for the probiotic. So your probiotic's not going to work real well unless you have a prebiotic with it. Um, one of prebiotics are like inulin. But, um, so it has those two in it. It also has lactase. In case you get dairy, it, it helps you digest what dairy you may get. And again, about 50% of Americans are lactose intolerant, including me. Uh, so it has that. It also has a gluten blocker. And about half of us have some kind of gluten sensitivity. You don't have to have celiac disease to have a gluten problem. Um, so even if your antibody blood test or your biopsy of your stomach shows you don't have full-blown celiac, you still probably have a gluten sensitivity. Um, so it does have a gluten blocker in it. Um, so it has those five things. And an important thing, too, it has digestive enzymes. I saw a lady today who'd had her gallbladder out. And people with their gallbladder out, they, they have a hard time digesting or breaking up fats. And this cured her problem with that. A lot of people after a gallbladder have a lot of chronic loose stools. So this definitely cleared it up for her. So digestive enzymes. So it has five things in it. Gluten shield. Um, I order that by the caseloads. I love it. Um, so hope, hopefully that answers your question. It's a long-winded one, isn't it? All right, let's see here. Question number four. Are there health concerns about taking creatine monohydrate for a 40-year-old male uh, who weight trains and is in the functional fitness twice a day? Wow, you're working out twice a day. That's pretty good. Um, wish I had time for twice-a-day workouts. But um, so, yeah, I'm okay on, you know, creatine. I'm, I'm all right on that unless you have some kidney problems. A uh, couple things. So definitely it's all right. Um, one thing I like to tell people, you need to make sure you hydrate if you take creatine. I mean, you don't need to load with it. You know, a couple grams a day is probably fine. One to two is probably good enough of creatinine uh, monohydrates, the form that you need it in. So it's probably fine. Actually, it kind of the function of it is to kind of draw water in your muscles. So I think it, it does help with strength a little bit and maybe even a little bit of muscle growth. Uh, but just make sure you hydrate and your kidney functions are good. It, for people that have renal problems or kidney problems, which is shown through a blood test, they may want to shy away from it. So and if you're on it, you know, you need to probably get a blood test that shows me your creatinine clearance. But for the average person, it's fine. I actually kind of like it. Um, okay, last question. We are having a second wave of COVID. Should I be worried? 
That's a great question. Um, you know, I'll follow this thing for the last four, three or four months since we've had it, the pandemic. And, you know, there's a lot of good news out there. Number one, at least in this area, you know, it's been very mild, um, very few cases, very few deaths, uh, very few people on the ventilators. Um, I'm in constant touch with several ER doctors, several pulmonologists, several hospitalists. People are in the hospital all the time and a lot of lab techs, x-ray technicians. And I quiz them all down about it because I'm really interested in this COVID because the way to avoid COVID is to really just take care of yourself and keep your immune system, you know, going just right up the alley of what we try to do with everybody anyway. Um, so there, there are more cases kind of sprouting up. The good news is they don't seem to be as serious and require as many hospitalizations as before. The big danger with this thing two or three months ago was overwhelming the hospitals to where we didn't have enough ICU beds or ventilators. Well, we found out that not, you know, we had plenty of ventilators. Um, you know, very few people need to go on ventilators for this thing. And by the time you need a ventilator, it's really, you're on your last legs. And I think there's like an 80% mortality rate once you get on a vent. So you don't want to get on a vent except as a last ditch measure. But um, so, yeah, there's probably, it's probably going to be around for years, kind of like the flu. And it may change morpho morphology, you know, forms of it. Um, it. It may even already be morphing into a less mutant strain. So it doesn't seem like it's quite as serious as it was. And, of course, we know more about it now. But it's really interesting how it's kind of shaken out. The things that we used to say not to do now are fine. Um, and some things we used to say were fine didn't work too well. Um, so, um, but there are good treatments for it. One interesting thing that I'll tell you, one tidbit you need to carry away is you need to make sure you're taking vitamin D. Um, I talked to a hospitalist this week, um, and he told me that anybody with a vitamin D level um, that's above 50 is not going to die of COVID and probably won't even get COVID. But if your vitamin D level is under 25, you, you may get really sick with it. I think that's probably the reason why African-Americans are really having a lot of problems with, with the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, because they traditionally have very low vitamin D levels. So I think everybody should just start taking 5,000 units now. I'm taking 10,000. During this epidemic, I've doubled up on my vitamin D and also on my vitamin C. I take one gram twice a day. Um, and just follow your vitamin D levels, but take vitamin D because if you do that, you're probably not going to get COVID. And if you do, it's not going to be serious. The other thing, of course, is obesity. If you notice the demographics where the people that are getting very sick with COVID are usually obese. And they usually have hypertension. That's another major risk factor for this. Of course, one out of two Americans have hypertension, so... You know, but obesity and low vitamin D are the big things. So you need to do what you can do to keep a healthy immune system. And the best way to do that, besides taking these vitamins, is get a good night's sleep. 
keep stress under handle, uh, stay lean, exercise every day, get the sunshine, sweat. Um, so keep your immune systems high. So, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to get waves of, of COVID, but, it, you know, we can't let it shut down and stop our whole country from going on. But you do need, you know, I think masks do kind of help if you have it maybe from giving it to somebody else you know in tennessee we're a little less strict with masks than say virginia or north carolina but um you know so you can't be faulted for wearing a mask especially if you have risk factors um especially if you're around a crowd if you're not not sure who you're around but um you know keep your hands clean keep your hands out of your face and your eyes um this thing is really transmitted, I think, mostly through your nose and then somewhat through your eyes. So, you know, you don't want somebody to cough in your face for sure. And a cough or a sneeze can carry a long way. So, you know, take precautions with that. Um, but daily hand cleaning and keep your immune system taking vitamin D are so important. Do those things that you should be doing anyway. And hopefully um, you won't be at major risk for having problems with COVID-19. I will tell you that um, we're testing antibodies in the office now, usually covered by your insurance. And out of the 160-some people that I've checked for antibodies, meaning immunity, and you've had it, uh, 159 have been negative. Even with many of those thought they had it, they didn't have it. I had one positive just because I was checking. I had a patient that came from New York, and they, they had it in February. They were down here visiting their mom, and they did well with it. They said they were pretty sick with it. but And she had tested positive and um, wanted to know if she'd had it. So I wanted to make sure my test, which is a Quest lab, it's the most biggest lab in the world, was accurate since I was getting all these negative tests. So she knew she had it at test positive, so I did check her, and sure enough, she was positive. She was immune to uh, COVID-19. How long that immunity will last, we don't know yet. You know, I'm not sure about that. But um, anyway, so the point is, keep yourself healthy, and you shouldn't have to worry about much. Use common sense, and don't freak out about this for sure. So um, I think that's the five questions that five at five. So hopefully this has helped you a little bit. We look forward to next week's questions. Uh, please email us at performancemedicine.net or mention it to us if you come in the office or if you're looking at one of the doctor's dictations on Mondays or have any further questions, please don't hesitate to email them in. Great set of questions. I hope this helps. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.